Well, it's amazing to think that a year ago, uh, we were casting vision and dreaming and hoping about what permanence might look like in our community. And on this Sunday, last year, 200 families and individuals uh, made a commitment to give sacrificially, to give $1.8 million to help uh, create this vision and turn it into a reality. Well, fast forward, and in August of 2022, we had a groundbreaking ceremony on this property that God has given us. And then in October of 2022, just a couple of weeks ago, our concrete foundation was poured, and this week, our steel arrives. Can we celebrate God's faithfulness in the life and the story of our church? And I just want to say on behalf of our leadership team, on behalf of our elders, thank you. Thank you for the ways in which you have given generously to this work. Thank you for the ways in which you have invested in allowing a dream to become a reality, to to effectively build the future, not just for Nona Church, but for generations to come. Uh, In the next number of months, and by God's grace, in the fall of 2023, there will be an anchor church with a facility off of Narcusi Road for decades and generations to come so that all might know that the gospel is here to stay, the church is here to stay, and Jesus is here to stay. Can we celebrate that this morning? Can we thank God for his faithfulness? Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to wrap up our series called Build the Future. Uh, For the first few moments, I'm going to give us a teaching on this text. And then for the last few minutes, I'm going to begin to build the future when we think about what it is that God is calling us into as a community in 2023. Uh, But as we turn our eyes towards the scripture that we've been studying over the last three weeks, my prayer and my hope is that as we've been unpacking this beautiful verse in Habakkuk chapter 3, that our hearts have been inspired to realize that We have a God who's the same yesterday and today, which means we can trust him for our future. Uh, We've been looking at this verse, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. And my kind of secondary hope is that you've heard it so much the last three weeks that you would be able to have it memorized and you'd be praying it the way that I've been praying it over the last couple of years. In fact, my hope is that at random occasions uh, on a Sunday, you or one of your kids will walk up and quote Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2 to me. I'll be blown away and have to give you candy or something like that. That's my hope, that it becomes an anthem in our church. So let's say it together. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, it reads this way. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In this series, in wrath, remember mercy. You guys know it better than I do, huh? In this series, what we've been looking at is how Habakkuk prays in a way that anchors us in the past, uh, allows us to be present to the moment so that we can have faith for the future. In week one, we talked about this, that, that if we build a future that forgets how God has been faithful in the past, it will lead us to fear. But when we look at God's faithfulness in the past, it leads us to security and confidence. And last week, we talked about the importance of being present to the moment, that if we live out in the future, we'll make the significant mistake of missing what God is doing right now, which would allow us to understand where he wants us to move. But here's what's true about Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2 that we haven't talked about yet. The fact that it's a prayer, like the very container of these verses uh, indicate to us uh, and give us an instruction on how we're to build the future. 
Uh, what we're going to learn today is that looking to the past is good because of the confidence it gives us. Remaining in the present is important because it allows us to see what God is doing. But the invitation of God is not to simply stay in the present moment like some cultural kind of frameworks might have us think. But God actually invites us into thinking about the future because he cares about the future. It is wise to plan and to prepare for what's coming next. This is why God gives us these great words in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 23 says this, Don't let your heart envy sinners. Instead, always fear the Lord, for then you'll have a future and your hope will not be dashed. Listen, my son, and be wise. Keep your mind on the right course. It is wise to plan and to think about the future. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 13 and 14. There's an analogy here. Eat honey, my son, for it is good. And the honeycomb is sweet to your palate. Realize that wisdom is the same for you. And if you find it, you will have a future and your hope will never fade. In other words, it is important for us to look back in the past because it gives us hope for the future. It's important for us to be present to the moment so we see what God is doing. But it is wise and right for us in our individual lives, for, for us as a family, and for us as even a local church, to plan and prepare for the future. In other words, we build the future by becoming people of remembrance, of presence, and what we see here in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, passionate prayer. Prayer. The way that you plan and prepare for the future is through prayer. Now, prayer is important because some of us have, have misunderstood what prayer is. For some of us, our prayer life, if we're honest, it's, it's tossing a Hail Mary up to God on occasion when things aren't going the right way. It's asking for a parking spot when you're trying to find a place to park uh, over by Boxy Park. It's, it's kind of just throwing out to the Lord a word on occasion, hoping that it'll come through. But that's not the kind of prayer that we see in Habakkuk, and that's not the way we want to pray as a people at Nona. At Nona, we want to be people who pray with dependence, who pray with expectance, and who pray with confidence. And when we look at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, we see that that's the way that Habakkuk prays. He prays with dependence, with expectance, and with confidence. And I want to invite you into that kind of praying in your life. As you think about what the next year might hold, or what next job you ought to take, or what relationship you might step into, or what's coming around the corner for you in your life, I want to give you and perhaps invite you into a framework of praying that models what Habakkuk did as well. When his future was uncertain, when he didn't know what was coming next. By way of reminder, Habakkuk's prayer is not a, a random prayer. He's praying because the Babylonian Empire is knocking on the doors of the community and the people that he loves. And he sees that they've got more power, they've got more might, they've got more people, and it doesn't look like it's going to be good for Habakkuk and his friends. He prays this prayer in a place where he needs God to move. Prayer. Prayer is the conduit that God gives us to help us get an insight into his heart for us. I love how Tim Keller describes it. Prayer, prayer is not about me changing God's mind. It's about me understanding what's on God's heart. And so, so quick raise of hands. In your prayer life before, have you ever had this moment where you were praying something and you, 
you kind of had like this, like this feeling raise up inside of you that, that made you think, maybe I shouldn't go there. Quick, quick, raise your hand. You had that before? Where God maybe gave you a warning. Anybody had that before? Or maybe God gave you a direction that you weren't thinking of, right? It's like you're like, you're like praying and God's like, turn right. And you're like, oh, right? Okay. Like, have, have you had that before? Yeah. It's because God actually utilizes prayer as a conduit between him and us to help give us the next best step. Like, we can't accomplish our mission at Nona without prayer because our mission is to help every person know and take their next best step in following Jesus. And oftentimes, the way in which you find out what your next best step is is through your prayer life. But let me ask you this. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life right now when you, when you think about your future? Prayer, prayer gives us an insight into what's to come. I'll never forget, a couple of years ago, um, I was planning a trip overseas, and uh, Stacy had been praying for some time about this trip, and I was about to pull the trigger on purchasing some tickets uh, to go to Turkey, and these tickets had a long layover, and they were cheaper, and I was excited about that, because cheap is good, and a layover meant I got to eat some good Turkish food, and I love Turkish food. And Stacy walks into the room, and she looks at me, and she says, Colin, there's something in my spirit, and she doesn't use this a lot, but... She said, there's something in my spirit through praying that says, you shouldn't travel to Turkey. I was like, babe, it's safe. It's fine. And she's like, I know that it's safe. But there's just something as I've been praying that, that says, you shouldn't go there. And she's like, I don't have a reason or explanation for it. That's just what I'm sensing as I pray. And I begrudgingly honored her request. It was one of those things where like, are you sure that it was, you know, prayer about Turkey? Or was it that you ate bad Turkey? Like, what is it exactly? Right? But she doesn't do this often. So I said, yes. Well, fast forward, and I'm sitting in a hotel in southern Spain, and I turn on the news and come to find out on the day that I was supposed to be in Turkey, at the airport that my flight was traveling through, in that particular terminal that I would have been in, there was a terrorist attack. And I sit back and think about what hung in the balance when it came to my willingness to listen to that still, small voice that spoke to my wife. That she gained in prayer. This is the power of prayer. Prayer is, is an invitation to connect with God in a way where he'll whisper to you, he'll give you, he'll, he'll, he'll help align you towards the direction you're supposed to go. And yet, I think so many of us live a life that is limited in our value of and expectations for prayer. But this was not Habakkuk. Habakkuk, he prayed. The way that Habakkuk built the future was by praying. And the way that we build the future here at Nona, by God's grace, may it be by prayer. Dependent, expectant, and confident prayer. So how does Habakkuk pray dependently? Well, he starts by saying this in his prayer. Two times, he uses the word Lord. Would you say the word Lord with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Lord. That word Lord is the word Adonai. It means king. It means master. It means ruler. Uh, what Habakkuk is acknowledging is that everything that he's about to pray, the future that he's hoping for, what he wants to see happen for himself and for the people of, of God, it's all dependent upon the one who is actually king. And it's not Habakkuk. Habakkuk's prayer of dependence is acknowledging to God, God, you're God, you're in control, I'm not. So I'm going to offer to you what I hope you do, but I want to acknowledge that you're the one who's driving and I'm in the passenger seat. Uh, about a year ago, I started playing golf with a friend and uh, 
uh, when you invite someone to play golf with you, um, the person who invites is usually the one who drives the cart. Like that's like just kind of the way that, that it goes. And so the first time that we played, I drove the cart. The second time that we played, um, I drove the cart, but I got distracted by something and I, I kind of turned the cart the wrong way and I almost ran us off of a bridge into water. Like it was a bad situation. And at the end of that kind of moment, my buddy hopped out of the car and he says, you're never driving again. And quite literally, he, he made me switch seats with him like at the fifth hole. It's been a year and he will not let me drive the car. And it's frustrating because I'm a grown man. Like I drove myself to the golf course. I paid for the round. I want to drive the golf cart. That's half of the fun of going to play golf, right? And so there will be moments when we're playing where, you know, he'll be at his ball and my ball's over in the houses. And so I'll go, like, take the cart over to pick up the ball and I'll drive back to where he is. And I'll be in the driver's seat. And I'll kind of look at him. And he'll look at me and cue, like, wild western music, like, like happening in that moment. There is a stare-off. And there's a moment where I'm like, man, just get in the passenger seat. And he will not. He stands there and he stares at me until... I scoot over. <laughs> it's fun being in the driver's seat. But you know who's never interested in being in the passenger seat? God. And I think for too many of us, we, we live by this motto, while we may not say it externally, internally, that Jesus is my co-pilot, which is a terrible bumper sticker and even worse theology because God is not interested Adonai the Lord the one who speaks and creates galaxies the one who speaks and gives life and death from his very mouth he's not interested in being your co-pilot there's only one seat in which God belongs and it is the driver's seat of all of our lives and this is Habakkuk's acknowledgement God I know I want to take control here. I know it feels great when I can scoot over in to the driver's seat, but I'm acknowledging that my future, my plans, my hopes, that promotion, the future relationship, what happens with my medical diagnosis, what happens in my future, I'm acknowledging the best seat for me to be in is not the driver's seat, but to be in the passenger seat. So you know what I've learned over the last year or so, because it's been a year since I've been able to drive a golf cart? is to enjoy the ride. Do you know how fun it is to get to eat snacks while this guy's got to drive around the golf course? It's great. And some of us are signing up for a job that God never designed us to have, and we're wondering why our life is such a wreck. We're wondering why we're driving into ditches or driving our life off the rails. And it's because you were never designed to be the person in the driver's seat. Habakkuk starts by thinking about the future and praying, Lord, Lord, you're in control. I'm dependent on you. Now, here's where the last two weeks of messages connect to this week. It is easier to pray with dependence when you remember what God has done in the present and you haven't seen what he has done in the past. See, the reason why we look back and the reason why we remain present so that when we pray for the future, we are remembering that we can depend on the one who's been faithful and good. The one who gives us breath in our lungs, that allows the, the blood to course through our veins. The one that gave us the relationship and connected us with the right person. That was all God. 
And if God has written a good story then, he can write a good story now, and he's going to write a good story for the future. Lord, Lord. Habakkuk continues, and we find that he prays in expectance. He says, Lord, Lord, I've heard of your fame, stand in awe of your deeds. And then he says this. It's an audacious prayer. Renew them in our day, in our time make them known. Now, this is an expectant prayer for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Habakkuk is asking God to show up the way that he has in the past. Like, like Habakkuk is thinking, the Babylonian Empire is coming, and God, last time there was an empire on the backs of our people, you split the sea open so we could walk through it. I, I'm looking for that kind of move of power by you, God. But look what he says. Renew them in our day, in our time, make them known. That is a specific kind of prayer that has some high expectations of God. Can I get a good amen if that's true, right? Like, I, I'm not making this up. There's an expectancy in Habakkuk. Reminds me of this quote by Mark Batterson. He says that God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. And there's no one I know that's more bold of a prayer uh, than my Nana. Uh, Many of you know the story of uh, my Nana. At 14 years old, uh, she came to know Jesus because of a tent revival. A missionary knocked on her door in Jamaica. She had a third grade education. And at the age of 15... Uh, she asked a family that was vacationing in Jamaica who lived in Bermuda to take her with them so she could serve as a maid in their home. And they said yes, which would be against the law nowadays, but apparently was fine back in the day. And this 15-year-old girl got in a boat with a couple she had just met and with a third grade education served as a maid. Her, Her occupations were maid at a home, maid at a hotel, So when you think about the people that are working at hotels, think about my grandmother. Years go by, and as she's walking down the street in Hamilton, she walks past a restaurant that's for sale. And again, she doesn't have a lot of money, but she begins to dream and boldly pray that God might give her this restaurant. So she goes to the bank, and she asks the banker for a loan to purchase the restaurant. And the banker looks at her and is kind, but says, Elsie, you don't, you don't have enough money for this. Uh, you can't manage the interest alone. This was interest back in the 70s and the 80s. You remember when interest was in the teens? Like, it's going that way. You, you remember that, that time? This is my Nana. Hey, you, you can't afford it. Elsie, you need somebody to co-sign for you. And that would be a pretty big ask because they would be the one responsible for taking on this kind of debt. Well, my Nana walks out of the bank, bank's office And on that day, she runs into the very man who had brought her to Bermuda years before. They strike up a conversation. And my Nana has the audacity, the boldness, and the expectancy to ask this man to co-sign for her on the loan. And he says, yes. And my Nana purchases the restaurant And my Nana builds a pretty fruitful and well-respected restaurant called The Barnacle in Hamilton, Bermuda. And then she sells it. And she invests in some real estate. And every single one of her siblings, her parents, and her nieces and nephews are lifted out of poverty. They go to college. They start new lives. And the very trajectory of our family is changed. 
Now, who's the hero in the story? Is it, is it my Nana who had the boldness to ask? Or is it the kindness of a man who was willing to risk and co-sign? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. I'm really great. I'm really grateful that my Nana asked. I'm really grateful that my Nana had the expectancy to believe that God could and the courage and the boldness to ask. And I wonder when I think about her life, how much I would not have experienced had she have not been willing to believe in a big God, to pray with expectancy, and to ask. And I wonder how many of us have given God a no by not praying with expectancy, where God may have said yes if we had simply just what? Asked. You know what's interesting about, about plants is that, is that a plant will only grow to the size of the pot that it's in. The smaller the pot, the smaller the plant. And yet this very plant is the same plant that you're going to see in this pot, and it's a little bit bigger, isn't it? And now when you come to this plant right here, this plant's taller than me. It's pretty massive, isn't it? And the only distinction between these three plants is not the plant. It's the pot that the plant is in. And I think for many of us, we are living small lives, seeing small things happen in our life because the pot of prayer that we planted our life in is too small. It's not expectant. We're not praying big, bold prayers. And because we're not, the life that we're living is to the size of our prayer life. Like some of us want this kind of life. Who doesn't want that kind of life? Do you you want this kind of life in your relationship with God? Yeah, you do. But the question would be, what kind of pot are you allowing your life to be planted in? Is your prayer life right now filled with expectancy? Or have you decided to give God a no in places where God might be willing to say yes if you just asked? You see, the problem is that sometimes when we pray, we take the risk of trying to pray a bigger prayer but then God doesn't answer it the way that we want to. So then we go back to the small prayer life. But here's the problem with that. The problem is that, that God doesn't guarantee he's going to give us what we want when we pray. God guarantees that our life will grow bigger when we pray. And how we grow and where we grow and what happens, that is God's to do because he's Lord. Our responsibility is to get in a bigger pot with greater expectation. So let me ask you this question. Where have you been praying small pot prayers where God's invitation is to pray bigger ones? Like what's the thing you stopped praying for because you didn't get the answer when you wanted it? What's the place where you're giving God a no instead of inviting him to be the one to tell you yes or no? If there's anything I hope you would get from today, it would be this. Don't allow the size of your life to be limited by the size of your prayer life. Pray big prayers. Pray bold prayers. Because bold prayers honor God. And God loves to honor bold prayers. Lastly, pray with confidence. Pray with confidence. The 
text ends, in wrath, remember mercy. And that word wrath is an interesting word because it, it means to shake. In other words, imagine that you're on a roller coaster and you're shaking. What, what Habakkuk is saying here is that God is, as you shake the people of Israel, would you remember mercy? And the image there that we're supposed to get in our mind when we think about mercy is, is the image of a, a baby that's being coddled and protected by a mother. So imagine, if you would, that, that there's a tornado that's running through the Midwest and you run down into a, a little closet and you're holding on to your child. This is the image that Habakkuk is painting. God, I know that the Babylonian Empire is coming. I know that the future is uncertain, but I pray that you would remember mercy, that you would protect us in the midst of the crazy. Anybody thinking, I wish God would protect me in the midst of the crazy? God, would you protect my kids in the midst of the crazy? This is the prayer. But what gives Habakkuk the confidence to pray in wrath, remember mercy? It's because Habakkuk knows of the character of God. He's confident in God's character. And look here, knowing God's character is the best way to interpret your current reality. If you don't know God's character, you will misinterpret what is happening. So, so it seems like wrath is coming. God is disciplining Israel because of decades, if not centuries of unfaithfulness to him by bringing the Babylonian empire. And yet at the same time, while God is doing what he rightly ought to do, he's being asked to remember mercy. God, don't wipe us out. Allow there to be a, rem a remnant that remains. Is God a God of mercy? For Habakkuk, the answer is yes. Not because the Babylonian Empire is out there staring them down, but because of what he's known about God in his word. Habakkuk would have grown up with Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31 says this. Every time you see the word mercy or grace, I want you to say it with me in the scripture, okay? For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. Psalm 103 says this, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Lamentations 3, 23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, see Habakkuk knew that God was a God of grace, meaning God gives us what we don't deserve. And that God is a God of mercy. That God doesn't give us what we do deserve. Grace and mercy. And the beautiful thing about these scriptures is it reminds us that, that this isn't something that God just does, but it's something that God is. And here's an important kind of thing to know about God that's not true about us. If it is something that God is, it is something that God always does. If God is love, guess what he always is? Love. If God is merciful, guess what he always is? merciful. If God is gracious, guess what he always is? He is gracious. Now, Habakkuk had the Old Testament, but he didn't have what we have. How much more faith ought we have in this very kind of God? Uh, because we find this, that Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John embodies grace and mercy. But then Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 2, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in what? Mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by what? Grace You've been saved. Let me give you one more because I want you to know I'm not making this up. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of what? 
grace with confidence so that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Guys, this isn't just information to receive. This is life transforming truths that allow us to go to God in confidence when we approach his throne of grace and pray because he's always gracious and he's always merciful. God wants our life to look like this. The limiting factor is our choice to pray like this. Let's not be that kind of church. Let's not be that kind of community. Let's not live those kinds of lives. Parents, let's be the kinds of parents that pray such big prayers that it inspires our kids to believe that the God who was is the God who is, and that's the God who's going to be there for them even after we're gone. Like the greatest gift my Nana has given me is the ability to pray. So I know when she goes to heaven and she meets her heavenly father, what she's left me is a belief that God is capable of this if I would just simply pray like that. Is your prayer life like that? See, if we build a future that's built on strategy or built on data or the stats or the news headlines, we will build a future that is fearful, that is paranoid, and that is worrisome. But when we pray, when we pray with dependence, God, you're in control. When we pray with expectance, God, you're capable of anything. And when we pray with confidence, because of your mercy and because of your grace, I can trust you. God loves to move. Like the reason why we have land is because we didn't pray small pot prayers. The reason why we're celebrating what God has done in the life of this community, the reason why we didn't just survive COVID but grew through COVID is because we didn't pray small pot prayers. The reason why we've got a future worth building as a community is because of the prayer life of many who have lifted up this place and believed God for big things. My question is, would you do that in your home? Will the future you be build be one that is built on dependence, expectance, and confidence. Prayer. Prayer. You see, that prayer that Habakkuk prayed, it would turn into vision that Jeremiah would get. Because the Babylonian Empire would run in to Israel and remove the people of Israel. But instead of killing them, there would be mercy. And those people would end up in Babylon. And God would give a word to Jeremiah. Habakkuk prayed, but Jeremiah got the vision. And the vision that God gave Jeremiah, it's going to sound familiar if you've been at Nona for the last year. It was this. Build homes and plan to stay. Anybody remember this verse? It is the theme verse for here to stay. Multiply, do not hold back. Work for the well-being of the city where I've sent you. Pray to the Lord for it, for when it prospers, you will prosper. In other words, hey, Habakkuk, I'm going to answer your prayer. But I'm going to answer your prayer by giving vision to Jeremiah. And the people of Israel who are going to feel like they've been exiled and left their, their hometown, they're actually going to prosper in a way that history will remember forever. For this is what the Lord says, verse 10. When 70 years of Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. Verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Anybody just have an aha moment right there? 
That's the text. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a what? Say it with me like you have passion in your voice. To give you a future. A future and a hope. You will call to me and come to pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore to you the place from which I deported you. See, Habakkuk prayed a big prayer. It was dependent, it was expected, and it was confident. But God didn't give the answer to Habakkuk. He gave vision to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, who would remind the people of God, hey, God's still at work. And what would end up happening is that Habakkuk, in some ways, was praying this kind of prayer. God, would you just protect us from Babylon? God, would you just, would you just make sure that we don't all die? Like that's a, That seems like a fair prayer, right? It's that kind of prayer. But while Habakkuk was praying this kind of prayer, God had this kind of plan. Can I let you in a little bit on what God did as a result of that prayer, or what God did in the people of God? Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, do you know who he bowed his knee to and worshipped as God? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Nehemiah, 70 years later, rebuilds the city of Jerusalem. You know whose money he uses? The empire that conquered Babylon. Ezra gets a front row seat to revival. And after that, there is a beautiful window of time where the people of God experience God's favor. See, Habakkuk was saying, God, would you just protect us? God, would you just keep us safe? And what God's plan was, was to create a nation that would change the world. Is our job to come up with all of the plans? The answer is no. Our plan is to pray. Dependent and expectant and confident prayers. And watch the future that God builds. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Friends, I don't want this kind of future in my life if that's what God wants to give me. I want all that God has to give me. I don't want to pray these kinds of prayers when God's got that kind of blessing waiting for me in my life. And that's what I want to invite you into. Because that's how we pray at Nona. At Nona, we pray with dependence and expectance and confidence. So can I let you in on how I'm praying and how we're praying as a leadership with dependence, expectance, and confidence in the coming year? There's a couple of things that we want to invite you into as we think over the next couple of weeks about how we build the future together. And if you want, you you can be welcome to grab this guide as we step into this time. But there are three things on our heart that we want to see and trust God to do that only God can do. We're going to pray the big prayer, and we're going to trust that he's going to provide the resources in the right time. And if it takes 70 years like it did for Babylon, or if it takes seven days like it did for God to create it all, we want to trust him. Here's the first thing. We want to expand our ability to reach more kids through Nona Kids. I am tired, our team is tired of turning away families at our 10 and 11, 15 service because we do not have enough room. And we're working right now with some creative solutions and ways to expand room, to create more classrooms so that we can reach more kids and not have to turn kids away. Anybody joining me in that prayer? You can put your hands together if that's something that you believe in. Yeah, okay. We want to do that in 2023. Here's the second thing we want to do. We want to finish or complete the community park at our Nokusi campus. 
you're familiar with this Narcusi campus that we're building, our vision is that this place is used seven days a week. We don't just want to host church services on Sunday. We want this to be an asset for the community. Uh, we envision in our building a, a community park design that has a, a, a walking path and soccer fields that people can utilize. And we just worked with our builders to include uh, a, a full court basketball court and beach volleyball court on the facility. And we want to install a splash pad. A splash pad because we believe it's a way for God to get glory. It's not for us. Like we don't even baptize people by sprinkling like we immerse them anyway right so it's not even for that we want to install a splash pad and finish that project because we believe that there are tons of families and moms of, and of kids who would never go to church on sunday but they will get to a splash pad because it is hot in florida can i get a good amen and when they walk onto that church facility thinking that their kids are just going to play in a splash pad they're going to be met with the welcome and the hospitality and the kindness and the love of jesus that's going to restore families give kids a future and build a generational vision for this community where the next generation carries the banner of the gospel even further than we brought it and it's going to happen because of the warm welcoming space we create through this community park that includes a splash pad like I can't wait for the day where we hear the story I showed up because there was a splash pad but I found Jesus I showed up to because my kid wanted to play in some water but I found living water in the gospel of Christ this is our heart and our passion are you excited about that is that something we want to be about as well and here's the last one you may not know this, but because of your giving at Nona, there are about 30 individuals, couples, teenagers, couples whose marriages have been restored because they've experienced access to affordable licensed mental health counseling because of your giving here at Nona. There have been teenagers that are struggling with all types of issues when it regards to their identity that have got access to Christian mental health counseling because families could not afford it and we help subsidize the payment. But here's the deal. My heart is breaking right now when I see how many marriages are on the edge. When I continue to read in the news about young people whose lives were cut far too short. When I think about the epidemic of what's going on with the mental health crisis in our country. And here's my hope. My hope is that through our generous giving at the end of this year, we will establish a mercy fund that will allow us as a church to triple the number of individuals and families we help provide reasonable and affordable licensed mental health care counseling to in 2023. I want it to be that whether you're a Christian or not, you know that those people at Nona Church are there to help if you need help. I want you to feel the freedom that when you're having coffee with a friend or you're walking the dog with your neighbor and you're hearing about the mess that's in their life and community group just isn't enough. They need licensed mental health counselors to help them. And they're talking about the cost and how it's too hard to do it. I want you to be able to feel confident that you can say, well, you know what? You may never sit in a, a church service on Sunday, but I've got a church and I've got a group of people who want to see you flourish, who want to see you thrive, who want to see your marriage uh, stick together, who want to see your kids experience hope and life. And you can come to us and we'll help make what seemed impossible possible because we care about you that much. How many of us are excited about that kind of project and that kind of work in our community? That's how we want to build the future at Nona. And if it takes 70 years for a splash pad, 
Or if it takes the next seven months, by God's grace, we're going to be the kind of community that doesn't just have a church facility on Sunday that's a monument to ourselves, but a community asset that everyone in this community gets to use because they'll meet Jesus when they do. I want to believe, depending on the Lord God Almighty, that he'll solve what seems to be an impossible problem, which is our capacity issues with Nona kids. And we'll have the resources and funding we need to solve that problem so we don't have to turn kids away anymore. And I'm believing that in the creation of a mercy fund, there are going to be families that stay together. There are going to be kids that have hope. There are going to be people who were on the last step, who take a next best step towards following Jesus because of the help they find here. So over the next three weeks, here's my invitation to you. For those of you that have made a commitment to here to stay, would you, would you stay faithful? Your sacrificial generosity and giving has allowed me to say these words, which are a, a literal miracle. Nona Church, your facility is on budget and on time. Can we celebrate that? Okay, that's amazing. It's because of your faithfulness in giving that has allowed us to do that. So would you pray through what God is calling you to give at the end of the year? so we can continue to move forward with building this community asset that we think is going to change not only our neighborhoods, but quite possibly the nations when we're all said and done. To another group, the prayer that I might invite you into is to stay engaged. And I'm so thankful for those of you that have actually completed your Here to Stay commitment. You completed in 12 months what you said you'd do in 25. If you fall into that category, I want, I want to invite you to stay engaged. Because we've got a big vision here. And we're praying big pot prayers because we want to see a big God do big things in the life of our community. And all we would invite you to do is simply pray and obey. Thank you for your faithfulness. You've created the reality that allows us to be where we are today. Our gratitude runs so deep. But then for the last group of us, and it's a couple hundred families who've engaged here at Nona over the course of the year, yet have yet to give anything this year. I want to invite you to join the story. Join the story that God is writing. Some of you, you move from other places, and you want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to invite you to do that. For some of you, you want to be generous. You want to be a part of what God is doing. You, you want to walk into a facility one day and say, I helped make this happen. You want to watch baptisms and say, my giving helped create the environments that allowed that to happen. But you're in a position where generosity is hard because you're drowning in debt and it's tough right now. I want you to know at Nona, there will never be pressure to give. You can go as fast as you want and as slow as you need. But we want to provide a resource for you to help you get out of debt, to experience financial health so that you can be generous the way you want to be. Next year, we're offering in January a course called Financial Peace. Perhaps that's your next step over the next three weeks as you pray. But for those of us that can and have yet to, for those of us that experience the blessing of this place but have yet to invest in it, could I invite you to join the story? Join the story at the end of this year. Because when you give to our general fund, you help make things like a mercy fund possible. When you make a commitment over the next 12 months to here to stay, you help us finish a community park so that we can serve people in our community. And when all of us do our part, when all of us participate, we get to build a future together. A future that might provide some shade for those that need shade. Some sustenance for those that need sustenance. 
hope for those that need hope. So over the next three weeks, here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to take this Build the Future Guide at home. And inside of it, you're going to notice that there's a section that says, My Personal Prayer, and a section that says, My Prayer for My Church. What I want to invite you to do over the next three weeks is to pray about how God might call you to be a part of what he's doing in the life of our church and to give generously at the end of the year. On December 4th, we're going to have a piece of steel from our property here in all of our services. And there's going to be a moment in our service where you write your personal prayer and your prayer for your church, where you take that prayer and you're going to write it on a piece of steel. And we're going to put that steel in our building. And for decades and generations to come, the prayers that we pray on December 4th are going to stand in the facility that will serve our community for decades to come. So here's your invitation. Yeah, you can celebrate that. That's worth celebrating. Yeah. So here's the invitation. Here's the invitation. Pray and obey. Like over the next three weeks, write out a personal prayer. What's the big pot prayer you need to pray in your personal life? And pray for our church. What's the the big pot prayer, the vision that you're asking God to give us as a church? And on December 4th, here's the invitation. Bring your offering. Bring your offering. And bring your prayer. And let's mark this beautiful moment by remembering that we serve a God, a God who we can depend on, a God who we can pray to in expectance, and a God who we can pray to in confidence because of his character. He's a God of mercy and of grace. And that God of mercy and grace is who he was, who he is, and who he will be forever which means he's a really great God to trust to build the future.